0: And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church.
1: Hallelujah. Appreciate what I feel already. Hallelujah. They were singing. I was thinking... In the Bible where it says we're made in the image and the likeness of our Lord. When that was quoted, God had no physical permanent image at that time. The Bible tells us He was a spirit. A lot of the times when people think of that, they think of a physical image. But God didn't have no physical image. God is a spirit. So when we come in times like this to worship Him, it is in spirit... And it is in truth. It is not, we don't gather just to see one another and just to share stories and friendship is good, but we come to have a spiritual experience. That's what it's for. We come in here to experience God and allow Him to touch us and to praise Him and to worship Him. And it's not just coming together for coming together's sake. It is coming together to feel our God. And to let him know we still love him and admire him and want him to touch us. Let's pray today. We miss our pastor. He's gone. Brother and sister, board's away. Let's pray for them. Ask God to touch them. Let's pray for our Sunday school. All the ministries that will take place today. There's a lot that's going to happen. So let's pray that God's will would be accomplished in everything that's done today. Let's pray. God of heaven, we love you. We thank you for your presence that you've already graced us with. So Father, I know right now from the very beginning that you are going to anoint us and touch us and strengthen us, Lord God. Father, we ask you right now to be with us, Lord God, for we don't take it for granted. We love you, holy God. We thank you for what you're going to do. We praise you right now. You are our hope and our strength. You are the one that we look to, Lord God. I ask you to touch right now touch those in the back lord god have your way anoint and direct and guide lord god touch our words lord god open our hearts and our minds for we want to receive of your hand lord god we want to worship you in spirit and truth to give ourselves to you lord god in wholeness and in righteousness we love you this day have your way god and we will love and thank you in the holy name of jesus christ i'm going to ask you while you're standing let's read one scripture it's just where i want to start it's in Revelation 12:11 it speaks of a formula. This is a time speaking of the enemy, that he has great wrath and it gives us a formula on how they overcame him. And that's just where I want to start. Revelation 12:11. and this is where the Bible tells us that Satan is very angry at this point. and if it worked then it will work now. So that's what I want to look at. That's where I want to start. Revelation 12:11, And they overcame him, speaking of Satan, by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. It gives us three things, three ways that we can overcome the enemy. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. First off, he tells us, that they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. Now, they said, through the blood of the Lamb, it really, and truthfully, if li- as life goes on, we see in our day, I've wondered, you know me by now, I love the concept of time. I've wondered about the time frame in which we're born. It's up to God on what time what area that we're born in and what time we're born in to what family we're placed in. God knows all that. He takes into all that account. So I've wondered what it must have been like to live. I really like to look and to read back in the 1800s and the early 1900s of what it... And I look back to now on how we live and I think, how must them people lived. You know, if we are hungry, we just go to the grocery store and get something to eat and if you was hungry then or if you had an illness or if you got cut and it got infected, what did you do? You know, we're so spoiled. We just go to the store or go to the doctor, so to speak, if you believe in doctors. And you just had something to apply to that and it got better. But different people and just God knows where to place us. He knows and that's why it's almost, um, I'll just use the word unfair to think that the Bible tells us that God won't put more on us than what we can bear. So God knows the area and the time that he put us in that we would be able to cope with. So the time that we live in, and I'll just use the word pressure that we're under, or the pressure that we live with, God is going to give us the ability to live with. Regardless of what's happening, regardless of the technology, regardless of how much it advances or where it goes, of just, you know, I, I said there's so much information out there, but really how much knowledge are there was associated with that? It's just information's everywhere. It's just available. It just your fingerprint. You know, you just touch it, and so much information comes up. But there again... And then we see churches now. That's what's alarming to me. is just almost ridiculing the blood. And really, when you look at it, of just what the blood and what I want to do is look at it of just what it means to us. Just what these phrases mean to us. And that's just I'm just as the saying goes. I'm just meat and potatoes. You know, I, I I'm just I'm just a kind of kind of man. That when it comes to me and my teaching, tell me how it's going to help me right now. I have nothing against prophecy. I have nothing against the sweet by and by. I'm telling you, I don't, I don't, I don't. But I'm the kind of person that there is struggles, there is trials in this life. Help me deal with that. Help me overcome that is because regardless, and don't listen, don't let this offend you, regardless when God is coming, if I can deal with the day by day trials, I will be ready when God comes, regardless when that is. I'm not going to get up here and debate when God is coming. I'm not going to turn this into a circus. But what I am going to do is give me something to help me day by day. That's what I want. It says they overcame him. By the blood of the Lamb. And then we see, and I hate to use the word denominations, that's, that's, I will say that's man-made. Do I think that it's God's will for there to be 385 different denominations? No, I don't. And I'm not saying there is 385 denominations. That's just a throw-out quote. But what I am saying, this word right here is truth. This word and this word alone is truth. And this word and this word alone will save us. Now, if you take individuals that disagree on certain things and split off and split off and have a split off of the split off, that's where all of this come from. But this word is truth. We are a representative of this truth. So what, what I would say is the, what this blood means to us, what it represents is, is the crucifixion of our God. Our God roped himself in flesh, and what it means, like in the, in the Old Testament, the Day of Atonement, when it was the most holy day, I think it was September the 22nd, we just went by it, the Day of Atonement, that was the most holy day of the year because you have when the priest went in and the sins that stacked up for a year God would forgive them and sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat so you had the law and then you had the mercy seat and then the way I look at it you had God so all of a sudden the sins would demand judgment but when God would look down he would see the blood in uh, over the that what uh, the law and where uh, judgment would be demanded he would see the blood so what I think where they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, they're denying even the crucifixion of our God. So what I'm thinking that it means to us is when we say we plead the blood, we're saying the blood that Jesus shed for us to make an atonement for the sins that we have, that we repent of, that they're denying theirself of. So look at it this way. In the Bible, it speaks of Cain and Abel. And the Bible even makes a reference as some Summers went the way of Cain. It went in, do I think, uh, Summers even joked and said, well, the, the, the Bible showed partiality, uh, to, uh, Abel, where he said, you know, where he, he was the, a tiller of the sheep. What, what, that's just a joke. The Bible somehow, I believe that Adam taught his sons. You had to be, had to bring a blood sacrifice, and he did. And so he brought uh, the blood sacrifice, Cain brought a till of the ground, so he brought the fruit offering. So the Lord told him, if you would just do as your brother did, not comparing him to his brother, all he was saying, he brought a blood sacrifice, you didn't, all you have to do is bring a blood sacrifice simply because that is what I require. Then the Bible says they have went the way of Cain, meaning I will do it what i want to do that's where you have a split off i don't want to do it what thus saith the lord i think i have the best way so here you have abel when he takes he brings the blood sacrifice for you have the blood of the lamb for one man then then you go to abraham so he takes god tells him you're going to have a son he waits 25 years the son is born. He tells him all of a sudden, go offer that son unto me. And then, you know, if we're Abraham, we're thinking, you have got to be kidding. You tell me what I'm 75, you're going to give me a son? I wait 25 years. Now I'm a 100 years old. And then, I don't know, um, Isaac is a young man, so, you know, I don't know how old he was at, at the time, but he's a young man. So he tells him to go offer him in on, on the mountain. So he goes to the mountain. And then Isaac's looking around he says, you know what? We have everything but the sacrifice. So then the statement that Abraham makes to him, he says, you know, God's going to provide himself a lamb. You know, just as that statement that was made, he, he, he makes that in faith while he still doesn't have a sacrifice. So he takes and he goes on, but the one thing, That where we talk about this, we say that my son, my son, God is going to provide himself a lamb. But the thing of it is, for he named the place Jehovah Jireh. But the thing that we don't ever think of is when the Bible says that Abraham starts hearing this noise. And the Bible speaks of a ram being in the thicket. Now, how was he there? I read it this morning. The Bible says he was caught by his horns. What would injure you? The horns. And God had took the part that would injure Abraham and Isaac and already allowed that to be just woven tight where all Abraham had to do. There's your sacrifice right there. I've already locked him down for you. All you have to do is just go get him. What would hinder you? I've already took care of. Your Jehovah Jireh is right there. What would hurt you? I've already took care of. He's already tied up. He's in the thicket. He will not harm you. Your sacrifice is right there. So now we have a sacrifice. It is for Abraham. It is for Sarah. And it is for Isaac. So now we have the blood of the lamb for a family. Family. So now you go on where God's going to deliver the children. And he says, Moses, you tell the people to put the blood on the doorpost. And then he says, my blood is going to be for a nation. You tell them that this Passover... That you're going to take and put on the doorpost. is going to be now. We're going to leave. We're leaving Egypt. We will not return no more. Now you have the blood of the lamb. For a doorpost. For a nation. Now he takes. And then he says. And it was. It was. Isaiah. Was the first one to tell us. Is that I'm going to take. And this lamb. The blood of the lamb. This lamb. Would become a man. Isaiah was the first one. To tell us. That this lamb. Would become a man. We can read of that in the 53rd chapter. Now. It was John. In the New Testament. Sees Jesus walking. And he's the one that looks up. And says Jesus. Behold. The lamb of God. Which taketh away the sin. Of the world. So we see the progression all the way down from one, all of a sudden, to a family, to a nation, to the entire world. And then we have people that says, we want to take away the blood. Why would you want to do that? The blood is what holds them. The blood is what gave them victory over the enemy. For it was literally what kept them and what gave them the victory over the enemy. It was literally The sins that they had committed, it is what made the atonement for their sins. So literally, if we was to deny the blood, then, the Bible says Satan gave his accusations continually to the Lord. Well then, if we have no blood, if we have no atonement, then Satan's accusations are true. In other words, if you have no atonement made for you, If we was have no blood for us, then we have no atonement. Then Satan's accusations would be true. Now we have the blood. The blood has been applied symbolically to us. Now Satan's accusations are false because we have repented. The blood has been applied to us. Therefore, we have the blood. God died literally. Now, what makes us so... What literally ought to grasp us, literally is because our God literally died because of sin, so how should we look at it? Should we play with it? Absolutely not. Because the God of heaven, to leave heaven, to robe himself in flesh, to die on the cross, as brutal and ugly as it was, for me to think that I can dabble with it, and think be okay? No, nope, no, nope, we can't. We can't do that. That's why the Bible tells us that we must repent. We must repent. We know we have to repent. I mean, that's the first thing we have to, have to repent. The Bible tells us that we have to be baptized. We have to take His name. And me personally, I think literally that's when the blood is applied. When you take His name. When you take His name in baptism, you have literally the authority. You have the name of Jesus. You can use the authority. Other words, God has given you the authority to use that name. You have the blood applied to you, so therefore you have the authority of that blood in the name of Jesus Christ. And then we receive His Spirit. The Bible tells us. If you want to turn with me to look over in the in the book of um, Ephesians, Ephesians four. Ephesians 4, 30. The Bible says it like this. It says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Now, think about that. The Spirit of God says He could literally be grieved. And then it says, Whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Here He uses this we can see that he seals us until the until the day God's... I believe that scripture literally says to us, I'm sealing you until the day that I come get you. Until the day that you pass or I come get you, you are sealed. And we know that literally means if you are sealed, it's to keep something from getting in. He seals us, and I believe when you grieve his spirit, all you're doing is allowing the world... To chip away at the inner man, and and the Bible tells us if you do that, what you have is His Spirit, and then that's why the Bible says the dispensation that we are in is grace. And I, I've said this, and almost I don't I hate the word to use the word humorous, but I'm telling you this is the truest definition of grace that I know, and and it may sound. A little humorous, but I don't mean it that way. To me, the truest definition of grace is to have the Holy Ghost and sin and still have the breath to repent. Because if you think about grace, if you think about the Old Testament. God demanded judgment. (laughs) And I'm telling you, when he gave us his spirit. He says, grieve not. My spirit. And we go wrong. And still have the breath. To ask God to forgive us. That. To me. Is truly grace. It is truly grace. So it tells us. That he took this. It's by the blood of the lamb. That they overcame. The enemy. It's truly by the blood. They took. They overcame the enemy by the blood of the Lamb. And I think we still must do that today. We still must have Him. We still must acknowledge that our, came, our God came and died for us. He gave Himself, and that we have. The Bible says they had the word of their testimony, they used the word of their testimony. In Matthew 4, I believe that God gives us an illustration. The Bible says that sometimes even us as oneness people, I think we sometimes can get a little bit lost where the Bible talks about the flesh and the spirit because we hear ministers speak of God being all man and all God. And sometimes, I don't know, maybe you don't. Maybe I'm the only one that does. But sometimes it's just we have to... Or I do. I have to slow myself down. But there's nothing more. Nothing more. That I love than the oneness of God. But. In the fourth chapter of Matthew. The Bible talks about the Lord. The Bible says the spirit. Led him. So the way I look at that. Is the spirit led his flesh. Into the wilderness. And there it says. He fasted for 40 days. Now. That, I don't think he's teaching us that because if somebody, I'm not wanting to fast 40 days, I can tell you that. You hear me on a fast for 40 days, you can be sure it's the Lord. But what he does though, the Bible says he goes and then when he comes back out, what he does, he quotes to the enemy the word. He he always quotes the word. And I think when it when it says, when they overcame the enemy by the word of their testimony, that's what I think the example is that he left to us. That's what I get out of it. For when we are weak in our flesh, and that's the example that I get from this, the Lord come out, the Bible said that he hungered naturally after 40 days. His flesh was weak. So his spirit was strong. So when our flesh is physically weak, we cannot let the enemy get a foothold, as we would say to us, we have to remember this word, for it is by the word of our testimony. And what I think the word of our testimony is, is this. That is what I think the word of our testimony is. So that's why I said, that's what they overcame him by. What they say matched what god says so when he come out he was physically weak so when the enemy and that the bible talks about him showing him all the kingdoms of the earth and i look at that as showing him the people i don't know maybe i'm looking at it wrong but i believe the enemy attacked him in every way he could to try to show him to try to get at every angle he could but the lord just always went with the word and I believe that is the example to us. So when his flesh was weak, he spoke the word and just so when we are weak, when we are at our weakest, if we can remember the word, if we can remember the example that God has put before us and just reading his word, and that's why it's just that's why I said when times is tough and you just feel yourself in just one of those blah situations and you just really don't know what to do. Just take your Bible and go to the closet and just you know God said he would never leave us or forsake us. I mean when you get in situations of life and we all get into them where it just you just don't know what to do and just don't know which way to turn, do you think God just sits up there and just says, "Have at it? no sir, not one minute. God said he would be with us and he would never forsake us and never leave us because that's why the the example of, of, of Jonah. In in, in the belly of the fish, just if he could, with a fish turning every way, Brother Boyd used it in months ago, if he could look toward the temple with a fish turning every way, if God could give him the direction to look toward his holy temple, then in that that chaos, in that just um, amongst what he was amongst, if God could do that, then there was no situation could overtake us that God would abandon us. He's not gonna do it. He's not gonna leave us. So when we get in this, it's just take his word, go somewhere, get along with God, and just ask God to touch us, to anoint our mind, and to help us. It was the word of their testimony that overcome the enemy. Because the enemy can't cross this word. He cannot withstand this word. He cannot withstand the blood of the lamb because literally it started with the blood of a lamb, literally, that overcomes Satan all the way in the garden. So with God coming, being the ultimate sacrifice that he was, and Jesus dying on the cross, shedding his blood to make an atonement for us. So the blood of the lamb, the word of this testimony, he cannot cross, he cannot overcome And then the Bible says they love not their lives unto the death. Now, first and foremost, this world is not our home. Now, this King James English, sometimes we get lost in it. They love not their lives unto the death. Now, some says Christians have a death wish. They just don't understand it. We are not looking to die. We are not wanting to die tomorrow. They just don't understand what we're saying. Paul put it best. Just to live as Christ, to die is gain. In other words, they just say it like this. Paul said, You know what? If I stay here to live as Christ, to die, I'm gonna sleep with my fathers, and God's still gonna come get me. And it's either way, I'm gonna win. Either way, I am going to win. In other words, he just I believe that in Revelations they were saying it this much don't love your life so much here that you will not give it up. Other words, you can't be so much in love with this world and this life because the Bible tells it, don't love this world more than you love God. In Other words, you cannot do it. And if you do, you need to reevaluate yourself because it's just nothing, it's just nothing, nothing wrong with that. But I'll, I'll just, I'll just ask you, if you don't, you've heard me read this before, but I, I just can't come this close to it and not read it. If there's one scripture in the Bible that intrigues me the most, I promise you it's this scripture. Matthew sixteen twenty six and I hate to there's more, but I'm telling you this one here is the one that this this one is mine. For what is a man profited if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? To me, what that really says, when we go, I've been at the jail before speaking to men and I've been other places speaking to people and it just seemed like they just speak of their life like it has no value. And I've told them this verse. I have got my Bible and read them this verse. And I said, no matter what people, no matter what life has told you, if you could understand this verse, and I just fully think that I don't fully understand this verse, because I think I would act a little bit different. But if there's one verse that I never want to forget that I want to keep, literally, it says, they love their lives, not unto the death. Is this verse here. Because I believe he says two things. What is a man profited if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? For I believe he is simply saying, to me, this is what this verse says. If you could gain it all, literally, that's a broad brush. But Jesus himself is speaking to man. If you could gain it all, it still wouldn't equal the value of your own soul. If you could gain it all. And then he says, and then he asked the question, or what shall a man give in exchange? He says, you don't have nothing. You don't have nothing that you could get or you ever could get. That you could give in exchange for what you already possess. And he's telling them. He says this is how they overcome the enemy. When the enemy come to them. And tried to get them to do wrong. And they says devil. You're not going to tempt me. Because what I possess. Is worth more than anything else. You have nothing, literally nothing, that you could offer me more valuable. Because the Bible says that God breathed into the nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. So when God breathed the breath of life into you, he put something more precious in you than what you could ever possess or ever could gain anywhere else in the world or universe, period. That is more precious than you could get anywhere else. You already possess it. People, I've told them, I said... We have run, and just pardon the statement, but we have run, we have shot ourselves full of drugs, we have drunk ourselves crazy, we have did everything under the sun, lay with everybody under the sun, just pardon me for that, but we have done everything we could trying to get satisfaction when God has already given it to us. We possess the greatest thing there is, and we look for it everywhere else. God has already given it to us. And he says, you will never ever gain or possess anything of any more value than what you already have. Just what could you give? God's asking man, what could you give that's any more precious than what you already have? That is one way. They knew it and they used it against the enemy when they said, you know what? i'll just take your life and they says you know what if you take my life then all all it's going to be is i'm one breath away from the lord that's all it is they love not their lives unto the death they didn't love this life more than what they love god so that it, and, and I really hate to do that, to pull one verse out. But that one verse, if there's ever one verse that intrigues me, that one does. It really does. Now, I want you to turn with me back to Ephesians. Just back up just a little bit. I want to read, back up one chapter. I want to go to Ephesians 3. Ephesians, the third chapter. Let's start, this is the Apostle Paul. Let's start at the 16th verse. And I want you to just listen to these words. This is actually a prayer for inner growth. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. To the riches of his glory. (laughs) You talk about a card that, that there is no limit on. We have just found it to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that ye be enrooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is a breadth and length and depth and height. Brother Boyd says, I'm a never man, but I'm not a number man. Paul is a number man. Okay, 19. And to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. And this is one we quote all the time. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly of all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. And I'll read the last verse. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Boy, he just had a way with words. I'm telling you. He did. Now, that he would grant, 16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, who owns it all, to be strengthened with his might by his spirit in the inner man. Now, literally, riches of his glory. There's the Bible even a few chapters back, the Bible even talks about the unsearchable riches of Christ. And then he says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with his might by his spirit in the inner man. Now, it's been said, and it's true, this Bible was inspired by men. That's why it says, holy men of all moved on by the Holy Ghost wrote now it just goes without saying if this word was written by men by the holy ghost just naturally i'm not trying to be crude but just naturally we need the holy ghost to help us with this word that's why i said never ever should we read this as a novel because we do ourselves an injustice if we do if we're just if we're reading just to be reading or reading a quota so to speak i wouldn't say that you're doing yourself harm for any time you read this valuable word you're doing yourself good but anytime you just never speed read but anytime you just read it just for like well i've read that chapter but there's times that we need to take and if god is is drawled you to a scripture i mean the way the lord does me is just it just keeps bringing it to my attention. I mean, that's just way the Lord, and He works with us all different. I, I'm, I'm aware of that, but we just has to be strengthened with by His Spirit in the inner man. Now we have an inner man. What we see ever ever, what we see one another with, that's not the real us. That's just a vessel we live in. And just everything we do, is everything we work for is just temporal. You know, a lot, of, a lot of what we do is just for the temporal. But Paul is praying here that what God would do is touch us in the inner man. That we would be strengthened by his spirit in the inner man is what he wants. That he said that, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith rooted and grounded in love. The, where he put here dwell in the Greek that means a permanent home. He's not wanting to just come and anoint you and just, other words, touch you and then leave. The tabernacle. When you another one of my scriptures that I love is in Revelations where it says the tabernacle of God, the dwelling place, tabernacle is dwelling place, is is with man. That's the sole purpose. That's why God when. The children of Israel, God said, put my tabernacle in the center. I want everyone to have equal access to my, to me, to my tabernacle. So, where it says that, that, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye be rooted and grounded in love. And then it says that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, depth, and height. Now, that's why, that's why it says in 16, we would be strengthened by his spirit in the inner man. Now, he tells us what is a breadth, length, depth, and height. Now, God literally wants us to know every dimension. There's things, and probably, or I would say with a surety, when we die, there's going to be things about this word we just don't know. And, and that's okay. But here it says that we may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is a breadth, length, depth, and love. And to know the love of Christ. Now, if you are seriously bothered, I guess I maybe maybe the wrong word, but if there's something really truly about this word you don't understand, I would go to the Lord with it. You know, there's ways there's ways to to seek the Lord about it. You know, talk to Talk to your pastor, go to the Lord, you know, pray about it, you know. Because here he's telling us that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is a breadth, length, depth, and height. In other words, every angle God said that he wants us, every square inch of this God wants us to know. It was probably, I don't know, a few weeks back where the, the kind of work that I do, um, we follow everything with... Uh, plans, dimensions, and we had five sets of drawings. Three sets of the drawings had the correct dimensions, and there were some holes that had to be drilled. And of the three sets had the dimensions and the placement of the holes. Two of the sets didn't have it. So we had to call the, uh, the gentleman and tell him, look, you, you showed holes, but you didn't show the placement of the holes. And so God is saying like this, I'm not just sending you plans and then and leaving you hung out, just showing you something and then not, not giving you every, every detail that you need to know. God God is not telling us that he's just going to leave us hanging in midair, so to speak. God said, I want you to know every dimension of this that you desire, truly desire to know. God to help us. He'll help us to understand. And there's things that we want to know. And and, and I'm not talking about foolish things. And, And I don't mean to be crude in that. But I'm saying truly understanding his word, having a passion for it, having a love for it. I mean, God will help us. The Bible tells us he will. He said, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of Christ. To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. I would say that passes human knowledge. And if it passes knowledge, then how can we know it? I would say the only way we can know it is by His Spirit. Because if it passes knowledge, then how can really and truly, how can we know it? If the Bible says it passes knowledge, there's only one way we can know it, by the Holy Ghost. That is the only way we can know it. And then his statement, the last statement he makes, the last phrase of 20, or excuse me, 19. And it says that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, the Bible tells us that heaven and earth can't contain him. But he says, and that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. So how can that be? How can that be? Paul is saying that you might be filled with. With all the fullness of God. Heaven can't contain him. And earth can't contain him. But as a saint. We could contain the fullness of God. That takes the Holy Ghost. And that probably going to take some time. But Paul was saying. What he wants us. Is to know the love of Christ. In every dimension. He wants us to know. The depth. The height. The width. And everything there is to know. And then he says. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we asked or think. According to the power that worketh in us. Now. I've heard this quoted like this. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we asked or think. And then somebody would say yeah but it's according to the power that worketh in us. In a negative way. Don't look at that in a negative way. If you are serious about your walk with God, you look at this in a positive way. Because this is according to the power that worketh in us right now. Because Paul is saying that he wants the Lord to be in our fabric, in our soul, in everything we do. You have the Lord in every part of your life. He wants God to know us, to be in every part of us. And then he said, if you would do that, then God would do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think. Now, that is truly amazing because we can do some pretty out there things. Above all that we can ask or think. Now, the only way that can be possible... It has to be by the Holy Ghost. The Bible talks about even praying in the Holy Ghost. Because I, I, I don't think this is about, like, God, give me five cars next week. I don't think this is about that at all. But the Bible says, Unto him that is to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Now, that is already beyond human knowledge. Above all that we can ask. Or think. So we're already, uh, we're already past human knowledge. According to the power that worketh in us. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Because you do not know what you are saying. You are praying to God. And you may be submitting requests that you know not of. You could be asking for things that you're even not aware of. You could be submitting and asking God and petitioning God for things that you're not even aware of. Because he said it was above all that we could ask or think. It's just like I've said with our prayer cards. Some things we can write out and some things we just can't. And God said he could do all exceedingly, abundantly, above all. That we can ask or think. That means some things you ain't going to be able to put into words. Some things you ain't going to say. You're just not going to be able to put it into words. You're not going to be able to say. God I need this. You're going to have to pray. And you're going to have to pray in the spirit. And God is the one that knows what you're saying in the spirit. And God said he would do exceedingly abundantly above all. That we can ask or think. And I believe that is accomplished in the spiritual realm. Only God can do that. And I will read again. He said, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus, by our God, the blood of the Lamb. Throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Now, it is accomplished because our God came and died. He gave himself. He gave His self for us. That is the way they overcame Him. We still fight the same enemy. He still challenges us. But we have the formula. We know the formula. It has been given unto us. And they love their lives. Not unto the death. They have been given the formula. And we still have it. God bless you. I love you very much.